You are listening to Is There an Echo in Here? A podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. Welcome to our very first episode. Welcome, friends. Yes. We are glad you decided to join us. Is that our dog? <laughs> I think our, our, our little chihuahua is whimpering outside the door. I guess she wants to be a part of our podcast. All right, well, come on in, Josie. Join the fun. All right, let's set the scene for everyone here. What's going on? We just put our daughter to bed. She's three and a half or almost four. And then I come downstairs into my husband's studio and, you know, he has stuff he's doing. What were you just working on? I was working on uh, some Villalobos etudes and uh, some Antonio Carlos Jabim solo guitar arrangement. And uh, yeah, I was doing that. Yeah. All right. And then I came on in. And it was time to start our podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. I'm I'm down. Yeah, I really appreciate it. I took over all your uh, equipment. We have this rusty mic here. We have, uh, I don't know, what is that thing? It's our interface. Our interface. We got an interface. We got an interface. We got an old microphone that I think I've had since I was a teenager. We got headphones. I'm 40. (laughs) It's still kicking. I uh, hope it sounds okay. It sounds good, man. You just turn that input up. Yeah. And get real close. We would love two mics. We would love another mic. We'd love a better mic. <laughs> nice condenser mic. So subscribe, send money, and help us get new gear. Yes, because uh, this... All it, two of you. <laughs> so it's going to have to be a lot. Hi, Vanessa. Hey, Ingrid. Hey, Lauren. Yeah, we're just so glad that you tuned in um, for this very important podcast about Echo and the Bunnymen. But it's really about everything. So we want to begin this first episode by establishing who Echo and the Bunnymen are, why we're doing this podcast, and what you can expect. So we've been working on this uh, <laughs> this project for a month. And at this point, it's very clear that it is going to be quite in-depth. You're also a perfectionist. I'm a little bit, yeah. Yeah. We're doing a lot of backstory, a lot of history, a lot of context, a lot of, you know, just um, really trying to, to set the scene here, set the stage for the entrance of this band from Liverpool. Let's define who Echo and the Bunnymen are in case... By some freak accident, someone is listening to this podcast who... Likes bunnies. (laughs) Or echoes. Or echoes. That was my jaw popping. Or men. (laughs) So, we'll we'll answer the first question. Who are Echo and the Bunnymen? Very mysterious band, aren't they? They really are. They're always a mystery to me. I know. Until I started doing the podcast. 
And they became clearer and clearer. They are very mysterious, but really, I mean, we can speak very tangibly. They're an English rock band who formed in Liverpool, UK in 1978. The original members consisted of Ian McCulloch on vocals, Les Pattinson on bass, and Will Sargent on guitar. And a drum machine, who was sometimes referred to as Echo. They decided they needed a drummer eventually, and Pete DeFridas joined in 1980. Badass drummer. No question. Real standout on all the recordings. I think that's your favorite member. Rest in peace. I I mean, Ian McCulloch's kind of... I don't want to play favorites with these guys. No, no, okay. He's a strong drummer, though. Yeah. I would say, like, instrumentally, probably is the standout musician in the band with Ian singing, strong singing. You know what I mean? It's just not... But what about Will? Will's wonderful. I just and meant what like, about Les? Of course, they're all fantastic. That's the problem. <laughs> I just meant he's like kind of Chops McGee on the drums, you know? Yeah, it's, it's he's chopsy. a badass. Yeah. You could just oh, that's a badass drummer. And then like the rest of the band, oh, they're really creative and like do a lot with their like limited abilities, you know, but he's just like rips... <laughs> I like uh, limitations are really important. I think they're what makes good music, frankly. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. There, you know, we'll be talking about that probably for the next ten years of this podcast because it's going to take that long. That's how the light gets in. Yeah, in the crack. <laughs> We're really like actually the band formed in 78, right? And the we year were, I was born. And I was born because we were born three days apart. Remember? <laughs> Do you remember that? And, and I'm so sorry, that, I'm not special. That, no, but that means that like that's also why we're the ones that have to do this podcast because oh, we were yeah. born when Echo and the Bunnymen was born. That's probably, I want to know what was happening January 17th and 20th in 1978. I bet, I bet there's a way you could find out roughly. Like it's almost like um, like uh, Salman Rushdie's like Midnight's Children. <laughs> I, when he was born at the stroke of midnight, at the birth of India's independence <laughs> from British rule, you're like, I was born on the day the band had their first rehearsal. I like to think. That January 20th. Let me know. I mean, so yeah, English rock band formed in Liverpool in 1978. There's no way to briefly summarize what happens next, and therefore I have created this podcast. However, I can say they're a band that continues to release albums and perform live around the globe to this day. They have a tour coming up right now, and tickets are on sale. Yeah, and they... They just like to play their music. I mean, that's the thing. I don't think they need the money. This is not one of those things. I don't think so either. I've done some research on that too. And I think I think they got the net worth is okay. You know, I was kind of worried for a second. But I think they're doing all right. Yeah, because like Leonard Cohen went bankrupt. It, I think that's what and, you and do once on in a while. But then I mean, went, you too goes you know, bankrupt like every Yeah, then you got to go on tour and like recoup. Yeah. But these guys are just... They like being Echo and the Bunnymen. Is Roger Waters bankrupt? No, definitely <laughs> not. He's one. Of, his his tours make. I think the Wall tour he did a few years ago was like the highest grossing concert tour of all time. Think about that. Roger Waters tour is the highest grossing tour 
of all time recently okay just think about other musicians in the world that you might have thought were making that dough <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah never mind this is wrong podcast <laughs> Yeah, we let's get back to uh, the subject at hand. And that's going to be part of my job on this podcast is reining Shane back from Pink Floyd, Zappa, Early Genesis, and uh, jazz. jazz. Yeah, so they just finished a tour, Echo and the Bunnymen, that is. We saw them. We did, and we're not going to talk about they it They opened for the Violent Femmes. That's right. And we left when they were done. Well, they did alternating. They did alternating <laughs> nights headlining. I didn't realize. I couldn't really listen to, like, Ocean Rain as like you know, and then all of a sudden it's like, why can't I get? Or, uh, no, what's that song? When I'm a walking, I strut my stuff, and I'm so strung out. Well, I'll tell you. You know, we saw them. They opened that night, so they were on in the broad daylight, um, hot Atlanta night. And I will think about this show on my deathbed when I'm looking over my life. So I highly recommend buying tickets as soon as possible. They're going to be playing. It was our 20-year anniversary it was present. My, oh, it was a gift. Yeah. Thank you so much. Because uh, it really... And on the way there and back, I proceeded to talk about the band for six hours. And then this podcast seemed like beautiful. the natural evolution from that moment. <laughs> That's was how we're it? here. That's great because you, I mean, you knew not a thing like two months ago, but now I'm saying like you're. And I still don't know shit. <laughs> yeah, but you know a lot more than you did. That's true. It's true. You know all their names. You've learned a song. Names. I transcribed two of their songs. Right. Um, I studied about their hometown. Yeah. We and... spent a long time talking about that, about Liverpool. But yeah, so. You can place this band in the categories of like new wave, post-punk, what else? Like people refer to them as goth sometimes. So people refer to them as psychedelic rock frequently. It works. All those um, work. I mean, and pop since they achieved, you know, varying degrees of success throughout their career even though they have a, a cult status overall. So yeah, so they're just some guys from Liverpool who make music. Just some blokes. Yeah, and you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you probably know how amazing they are and that they are somehow the conduit for a boundless universal force. Tapped so into the substrate of pure being and creativity. It just passes through them. They can't, it's not even about them. It's they're, inexplicable. They're, they're invisible. It's just, uh, it's just energy. They talk about it. Like flowing through them i feel it yeah i mean things are getting getting weird like already doing this podcast because finding all of these correlations and synchronicities if you choose a band and pay attention to it and follow where it leads magical things begin to happen and if it's echo and the bunny men you will put on their album and suddenly you are holding hands with infinity and you realize that their story leads to everything in the known universe. And I am choosing to tell this story also because it is my favorite story in rock and roll. Um, you know, everyone has a favorite rock and roll story. This is my favorite one. I'm so glad that we're doing this for you. <laughs> because, really, 
Well, yeah, I mean, their mortal story is so amazing. It's like haunting and complex, and it's really, also, it's really funny, I find, a lot of times. The lead singer. I will say that yeah, he yeah. is a funny guy. He's really, truly. It's funny. And they talk yeah. some shit, and that's fun. That's the part e. that we, okay. That's funny if and fun. If you don't take anything away, just know that this podcast is going to be fun, because you know there's going to be some shit talking, some scandal. But also, you know, we'll be talking about many other bands with a lot of reverence as they pertain. Isn't it possible to comprehensively exhaust that subject, right? Echo and the Bunny Men? Yeah. No, you can't. I've can't. already, yeah. I've already spent in my own brain. Yeah. Like probably. So like you step through a door and then there's this like another door and then another door. Yes. And then and just each another door. Room more intricate than the one before it, holding more secrets and more artifacts. Yes. Wow. <laughs> let me tell you something. If you can let your fandom take you places like this well you know like the places you've gone in order to pull this thing together the things we've learned about the the research and the listening and the the looking shit up and then like and then and then just walking around in this like well walking around in liverpool on google street view we took a tour i mean you know uh it's it's um it's it's like it reminds me one of the things that I'm really excited about, let me tell you, is um, it just reminds me of like when I used to play Dungeons and Dragons as a kid. You know, like it's like an imaginal realm. There were themes. There's th- games with themes, and they create these whole worlds and universes. And then you have to kind of learn about these places within the realms. But now I feel like I'm 40, and I'm back into some just alternate reality. With Echo and the Bunnymen at the center of it, Liverpool, Sea Shanties, Mercy Beat, things you don't even know about, Skiffle, you're going to learn, there's words and wonders and things that are just like a world that is emerges. And it all goes back to Echo and the Bunnymen. You know, if you trace one band's history, you touch the whole of humanity. Is kind of our premise here on Is There an Echo in Here podcast. And I believe that by telling the story, we're going to tell a collective story. The songs themselves are really personal and specific. And their lyrics concern fixed power structures, compulsive hand-washing, heartache, mental breakdowns, crippling anxiety and longing, And Ian McCulloch sings about his inability to walk through doorways and the death of his father. And his voice is rolling out across these furious, exuberant melodies. And then all of their songs achieve this moment of transcendence. It's like this anthemic crescendo that causes the listener to feel just utterly ecstatic.
that's who they are and that's what they sound like. It's really, uh, it's really something. That's really something. Yeah, welcome. Um, I can't. I'm You're so, new. I'm so glad to be here. We have to begin the story with the place. London. Nope. Wales. Uh-uh. Liverpool. We got to talk about that city. It's the si- What do you think of it? Tell me what, uh, what your impressions are. Close. Interesting. No? Yes. Nope. <laughs> no. But Man. they're the one of the first Some inter British people are going to think I'm really uh... No, they're not because Manchester well, Manchester. there is a bit of a perhaps a friendly rivalry between mm. the two cities that are actually geographically fairly close. And um, there's a lot of inter- intermingling between the two cities and, you know, amongst members of Echo and the Bunnymen and The Fall, for instance, mm-hmm. Marky Smith. Where's Chelsea? I don't know. I can hardly. There was something else I was about to look up that yeah. you just were talking about. What was it? Liverpool. Oh, Manchester. Let me tell you. They were the first two cities to have an inner city rail link. Huh. It was the Liverpool-Manchester Railway. Wow. Yep. So, let's get started with Liverpool. It's the place of the band's inception. It's like the container for the band, for their consciousness, and they feel very deeply rooted in this city, so we have to talk about it first. As Americans living in the Southeast, it's just, it's entered my consciousness peripherally. There's a football team Mm -hmm. that's very well known from Liverpool. It's all about the football there. Yeah. If you go on the internet and look up Liverpool, it's like just All it's just football, F-C. football, football. So we're trying to get a sense of what Liverpool is because we have not been there. I have been to London and the West Country. Been to the London airport. Right. Yeah. For about a couple hours. Okay. Yeah. I was with you. I was tragically exhausted. Um beginning your tour we've never been there but we have been scouring the internet uh books we have dropped ourselves down in satellite view to walk the streets be cool if we had like a oculus rift uh you know virtual reality kind of deal yeah liverpool if you're wondering where it's located northwest england Population around 500,000, so it's like the size of Atlanta or what's another 500,000 mm, for the U.S. Yeah. listener? Uh, Portland. Right. And it is a port city, and that is at the core of the city's identity and its function and its essence. It is a port city. I picture it as like a foggy sort of dreary kind of moist cool place ocean and miss and i think that when we took our google tour our <laughs> google satellite it was sunny i do feel like it's a place that's always winter and i imagine shipyards it's an old city like ancient but officially it was founded in 1200 what is it bc oh i don't know I didn't go that far back. I was just checking out the uh, Mercy Beat bands and um, 
but you yeah. did you did we'll get there so one thing i heard a, an article that we'll have to link to in the show notes because i can't remember but it was in the independent but they talked about how liverpool was a port city where the wealth of the world at one point was kind of going through the city but it wasn't really staying there it wasn't a town that produced anything like manchester so in this article they talk about how it's a town of swindlers and pirates pirates yeah they they called them dealers and charmers they had to take a cut as things moved through the ports ah it's like a it's a, a via point right it's a way station it's um a place where things arrive and then nobody opens them and then they leave well do you know about pirates i know a little bit about pirates there's our dog that's our dog josephine she's a four pound <laughs> chihuahua um if you can hear that so <laughs> what comes to mind when i say the word pirate well i think of blackbeard yeah the quintessential yeah and he's a rogue and his skull and there's some crossbones but i learned about something the jolly roger i learned about a piece of liverpool history where there were pirates but they worked for the government oh yes and they hung a british flag on the bows they were employed legally given a document called the letter of marquee mm. to be officially employed and they could just go out and attack ships from any country that British was Britain was in, at war with. They were mercenaries. They were mercenaries. The privateers. Yes. You yeah. could make a fortune. You'd capture a ship. They would use like old Spanish armadas. They yeah. would take them out there. Um, and the Navy was pissed because they did a better job yes. than the Navy. That's right. And they were given kind of carte blanche. They didn't have to... They, they probably didn't have all the formalities of being in the Navy and all the no, you pomp and circumstance. And they would have like 20 to 30 cannons on the ship, like 100 men. This is just like, this, the, like, this is like the, what, what year was that? This was in the 1700s. It's like the 1700s like version of some like Blackwater like enthusiasts like going to Iraq and like shooting the place up, you know, totally. like like just private military contractor. You of know? people and they could they could attack ships that Britain was at war with. What does that mean? Yeah. Like that could and be. how did that work out? I wonder. And what did Machiavelli say about relying on mercenary forces? That's a good Can't remember. question. I think it was not good. Mark. No, but he was talking about like po political Pow. power yeah. and projection of power. And yeah. Because and, and, mercenary forces have always been kind of a, a thing. And many of them went on to be like prominent politicians and like made fortunes and became, I think, these kind of heroic figures. I don't know. In British history. So yeah, what else can... So I've been trying to grasp what the city is, who the people are. Um, I understand that they are very flamboyant, but also very grounded and stubborn. Um, sort of open-minded and welcoming and yet very rigid and stuck in their ways. There's all these kind of contradictory things that we picked up on. First and foremost, they're funny. They are a funny people that like to laugh. They are self-deprecating and warm. What else about them? Their position as a port city and having to respond to um, economic flow of commerce. They're very eclectic. 
you know, there's a certain kind of go with the flow aspect of, you know, things arriving. And it's interesting to see this kind of dry wit combined with a real naivety and a real sense of it's almost like island life you know like an island is like sort of even though they're on the mainland there's still like a in an an island culture you know there's a peculiarity there's an insular sort of thing that that happens that makes it unique unto itself and strange in a way if you're you know not connected to you know a larger you know nation state body politic metropolis like just it's just there's like a a uniqueness to it is all i'm trying to say like we're always trying to find a american city to compare it to because that's just how you know our brains work even though it's completely impossible to do that but we came up with like is it i always want to try connections to the south because i always like to draw connections between my life and economic but we finally landed on new orleans and we were thinking baltimore like a northern city, because they're, you know, considered northerners. But we, we think New Orleans because of just that influx. The, That's right, New the, Orleans. Mm-hmm. It was a port city. It was a point of exchange. It was like a, it's a, it's a lots of uh, folkloric music from all around the world got, you know, brought to there and left from there. And, and, and it was just like a sort of a, a, a real center where things were kind of getting all mixed up because you know musicians were coming from all over the world and so and so what comes into the port what kind of stuff right a lot of raw materials like for instance great britain was a major market for cotton from the south Ah, they They had the whole textile buying cotton yep and so there's this historian Sven Beckert, who said that Liverpool was the most pro-Confederate place in the world outside the Confederacy itself. You know, earlier we kind of talked about Ian's accent, and is he is it sort of like a Deep South accent? How is it perceived? What are the almost connotations? Like a, almost like a New Orleans, like a like a like a you know what a I mean, Creole. like a Creole kind of vibe. I think if we were really going to actually make a, like a comparison, it would maybe be a Boston or a Northeastern That's thick true. accent, yeah. probably, yeah, yeah. to be fair. But I, I find this interesting. We're seeing some shit we ain't never seen before, Jay. I will say this about his accent. I can't understand a word he says and when he's talking. And then when he's singing... It's like this crystalline, like laser beam of, of just pure clarity and enunciation, and uh, every word just rings true and and the clear. I, c- I hear c- everything. C- cucumber. Yeah. yeah, there's no. It's the enunciation in his uh, singing. C- cauliflower. But when he speaks, I. So here's here's what you need to know. There's a bunch of trade happening in ni- in 1830. It has it got that inner city rail link with Manchester. Choo choo. Okay, so what kind of stuff comes into the city? It's like it is the riches of the world, and it's raw materials. 
but it's also human beings. And it's also a point of departure for human beings. So it's like the major, like the, in the 19th century, it was the major port of departure for the Irish and English immigrants who came to our country. Oh. Um, and it, the city itself has attracted a really diverse population that's really drawn from a wide range of cultures and religions, um, including Ireland and Wales, but it's also the home of the oldest black African community in the country. And I read somewhere that it was the oldest black African community in the world. Outside of Africa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so what else is coming into the city? Records. That's what we're going to talk about. about. music. But there is one other thing I want to share about the city. The name itself, Liverpool. totally. Comes from the word Elverpool. Uh, which refers to eels, or it means eels. Yeah. Which refers to the large number of eels that swam through the, that continue to swim in this moment through the River Mercy. And Whew. I find that horrifying. Yeah, it's very scary. It's a scary, so that's, you know, along with the fog and the darkness. Um, it's a foggy, dark town with a lot of eels pr- protecting it in the water of the Mercy. Yes. By the way. That's right. And the Mercy, it's a sea? No, it's a river. It's a river. That Whew. flows into... It's a big river, though, right? Yes. It? It's a very... All right. I'm, you know, it was founded 17th century. Let's get on to what was, what was sort of setting the stage for 1959 and Whoa. 1960. What, do you, what, do you, what piques your interest? Well... This is getting like, uh, oh, this is like the Twin Peaks, like, manifest. What is it? The dossier. This, <laughs> this is like turning into like <laughs> the, the dossier, the prehistory. And the, I'm telling yeah. you, I mean, this is they are they well, we'll be we'll we'll break that. We'll have a whole episode devoted to <laughs> your face. I just want to communicate to the audience a look of surprise, the like I haven't seen. <laughs> In many, in many years. So yeah, we will. That's a, a promise. What? <laughs> That's just, a promise. Uh, Twin Peaks, Twin Peaks uh, comparison cor- to Echo and the Bunnymen for That's all right. you fans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, let's get back to it. It's logging through. I'm just getting getting warmed up here, but I'm about to go uh, <laughs> do something else actually. But yeah. <laughs> We need to talk about the post-war We're period. We're in 1959 here. That's <laughs> well, what we're talking about. 1959. All right. Yeah. Well, well, okay. So we're talking about we're talking about Ian's dad, Robert, at this point. He was in the war. He had dreams of being a football player, showed amazing promise, like many other men, went to the war, saw some shit, came back, and, you know, I don't know what he saw. So war uh, and let me tell you this, air raids on Mercy side that killed 2,500 people and caused damage to half the homes in the metropolitan area. This is what you forget about Europe sometimes, you know, living here. Yeah. The entire city, Gone. So here's what happened, and we can identify with this because what we did is just came here and built a bunch of stuff that was cheap and ugly on the land of the original inhabitants. But what they did 
was reconstruct the city. And let me tell you, it has not been a popular reconstruction. Uh, It is considered flawed. So bombed. It was so bombed. It was like, what's the name of that city in Germany that was... Dresden. That city too, but this begins with a C. Cologne. Yeah. Okay. How do you say that? Cologne. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Cologne. I honestly, Avon in Cologne. my head, whenever I see that word, and I think, oh, it's not like cologne, like you wear, and I'll say to myself, oh, you know what they say, Cologne. Kern, like, probably, like, they probably actually call it Kern. Oh, there you go. See, I knew, but it's also not Cologne. Right? Cologne. Cologne. Avon Cologne. Hey, so Cologne, you know how I was like, just, just leveled? Liverpool too. So... Then things get pretty pretty rough, so I'm gonna let you take it from here, and I don't want you to the read it. No, I want you to no, I want you to oh. summarize like I do. So read. Shit got real weird in the post-war period. Uh, you know, there's a lot of social unrest. There's a lot of society grappling with massive war losses. Young men, you know, a lot of them died, and uh, you know, and they had to reintegrate the veterans into the economy. Um, so then there was you know, a lot of union organizing and strikes took place um, all over Liverpool, everywhere in England. Uh, there were police strikes, uh, numerous soldiers, sailors from Africa and India. They had served in the UK and they settled in, in Liverpool and other port cities. So you had a lot of integration going on. In June of 1919, there was pretty much a big racial unrest situation. And so... Things got really intense because, you know, you had, you had, you know, white people doing what they do best, like fucking just destroying shit and being scared and uh, like just trampling on other people to make feel better about themselves because they got nothing going on. Um, but yeah, a lot of that. The Toxteth Riots. That is a riot that occurred in 19, I think it's 81. This is like from my memory. Yep. 81. You remember that? I remembered it. As a three-year-old? No, no, I wasn't there. Um, no, but I mean, you heard about it then? No, I mean, I read about like Later. yesterday. And oh. I'm like, oh, I'm so, <laughs> so impressed with myself. That I remember I'm reading still, this yeah, yesterday. I was like, oh, got okay. in there. I thought it was, it was like you heard about them yeah. when you were a little kid. No. Did you hear about the riots? No, because it's not like... Like your parents were talking about it? There were 500 or so um, police officers injured, 500 people arrested, um... And it was the first time the police had ever been called on anyone within... So what within... spurred these riots, though? Okay, but that is the important part. Gotta get to that. The Lockstreth... Toxteth riots. Toxteth. I mean, how do they say that? We say Toxteth over we here. We call them the, the Toxteth riots. In the southern United States here. So, all right, Merseyside Police. Um, and thank you, Wikipedia. I do donate to you. Stop making me feel guilty, okay? Um, so the Merseyside police force, and as, as Shane told us earlier, I think you mentioned this, there were a lot of strikes, police strikes in Liverpool. And, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so. I'm very um, aware about that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From a few minutes ago yeah. when you read it. Cool. <laughs> we're getting, we're learning. So the police in that area, the Merseyside police, they had a poor reputation within the black community for stopping and searching young black men in the area because it is a epidemic 
among ourselves and the UK. Yeah, I mean, it's the same shit, different day. You know, the police just coming into your neighborhoods, racial profiling people. And it sounded like it was a really tight-knit community. And this was before the iPhone. Everybody's taking a video and stuff. You know, it's just yeah. it was the facts on the ground reaching a boiling point. Because you imagine, like, now you can see all the abuses of police power. Right. But back then, it was, it, it was, it was probably so much worse. Cause yeah. Because there was no transparency whatsoever. There was no ability to document it. So they weren't self-conscious at all. They were just carte blanche. And the people in this tight-knit community bore witness to it and, you know, had family and friends who were constantly persecuted and... Harassed. Where the hell have you been? You've been waiting with our best suits on. This time in the 80s was really difficult. There are numerous documentaries about this riot that you can watch. Um, You know, the fact... There were many riots in 1981. This was like a year where there was a lot of social unrest in... In Liverpool? In, throughout England. Okay. Throughout various cities. And this was just one example, but it was a really famous one. Um, oh my God, it's so late, I forgot. I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? A lot of riots in the 80s. Oh yeah, you can, so you can see interviews with people who were living in the communities at the time and hear accounts. Um, some of these documentaries focus really heavily on the police and are very sensational, but... You know, as is the case with any network documentary. All right, so there's also a really, really, really high uh, unemployment rate in the 80s when Echo and the Bunnymen are making my favorite album. And unemployment just skyrocketing and a huge recession. We got Margaret Thatcher doing her thing. And it's interesting, I'm having trouble finding them. Finding? Any any discussion. Of them talking politics? Well, not exactly. I I remember hearing this interview with Robert Smith, or reading it, and I'll have to find a link in the show notes, where he was just talking about politics. And his politics were great, and it was really interesting, and he was very well-spoken, and they were like, wow, you have all these ideas about politics, and you know. It's like, well, no one ever asked me because no one's going to take me seriously with my hair looking like this and <laughs> being this guy. That's funny. I don't know. It's recent. Anyway, listen about this riot, though. What are milk floats? It's like a little bus. Oh. And they set them on fire and, like, ran them into the police lines. Okay. Petrol bombs. Mm-hmm. And they were using scaffolding poles to charge police lines because they were searching so yeah so these they were, were the, pulling over black people so these they were, were the searching black people them incarcerating them fighting with the police and yes. then, and then white sympathizers yes i assume it was a mixed race coalition you know um 500 people were arrested 70 buildings were damaged a hundred cars destroyed Now, the reason I looked this up is because of a comment that I'll go back and um, give credit to on a a YouTube video that I was looking at. He was saying that he was in Liverpool after these riots, and it was the eeriest experience of his life. Ian was saying that? No, a a guy who was commenting on an Echo in the Bunny (laughs) Man video on YouTube. Wow. That's why... 
we're here. Do you have cuts. any other leads for me? Bring them. Um, yeah, so this is the neighborhood where Ian McCulloch was born. Um, Toxteth. Yep. He was born out of a Toxteth house. He was born. The house just birthed him. The house of Toxteth. <laughs> and then he moved over to Norris Green. The grass is high and the children are, high. are too. <laughs> So I think we should leave off at the place of Ian's birth. And all the other guys are from around there too, but Pete DeFridas, he's gotta he's he's gotta have his own separate thing because he's from a separate place. He's the only one not from Liverpool or the surrounding area. Um so I have certainly learned a lot. The drummer. The drum oh the drummer, yeah. Man. When we start talking about music, that guy's a good drummer. Let me tell you what. It's pretty indisputable. And we can talk about why he's so good. I mean, not that we can really explain, but uh, I mean, I just can't wait. So to me, this is the, you know, I was like, this is the boring episode where I'm going to have to read Wikipedia to you. Um, And I didn't want to do it. But then it was pretty fun, and oh, we had a great time. I mean, I learned stuff. We had a uh, yeah, it's good to learn about the Toxteth riots and about um, Liverpool history. I would say that a sense of place is of utmost importance to creating your inner world. Either you want to escape from a place, or you feel completely rooted in it. I think there's a little bit of both going on once again with. Ian, and I'm talking about him a lot because he's kind of the, the singers generally are what is being presented. They represent the band. Yeah. I don't think anyone's going to mind. I mean. I doubt Will will because he doesn't seem to really want the limelight. You no, know, it's, he it's, doesn't. And I wouldn't. And so it's a special well, person to, to be a lead here. singer. It's about the singer. It's about the it, singer. Yes. Like, that's it, what it is. It's like, what's the formula? I was talking with someone tonight at this show, and we were watching this band play, and they were very retro, as my friend Andre Chumley was saying. And there's this retro quality, almost like, sound like retro in the sense of sounding like Neil Young or something, you know? And I was like, well, and it comes down to it, because really the instruments want to play themselves in a certain way. I think Echo and the Bunnymen defy certain expectations of what the instruments want to do in some of their arrangements, especially with the amount of studio work that they do. But I think ultimately then you have these instruments just playing themselves and it's all about just this timbre and these things kind of over and over again, these song forms and these ways of blank strumming the chords or, you know, the same chord, same chord progression, same feels. Then it's like, okay, well, who is the singer and what is the story they are telling me? You know, because this is just a, you know, platform for them to give a narrative. And, you know, we're not and sing their reinventing lyrics. the wheel here. But yeah. I think with Echo and the Bunnymen, you do have some very 
interesting arrangements that kind of are not in that kind of realm of uh, folkloric song. All right, well, I think that's a wrap because we are dead on our feet. I don't even want to know what time it is, but let me tell you, next episode, we are going to take you on a journey down the Mercy Mercy Beach Beach Street. Street. (laughs) Yes. You have been listening to, is there an echo in here? Here. Here. Tell people where they can find you. I'll be here in my room practicing guitars. A guy in a room. Just a guy in a room. But you will be out there. And I, you can find me, seriously, at shaneparish.com. One R. One R. And you can write into this podcast. We will pour over your letters. I will pour over them. I want to read them. <laughs> yeah. Unless they're not nice. All right, you've been listening to uh, Is There an Echo here? And um, thanks, y'all. Thank you. You can write us a letter on our email. We have an email so far. Echo in here podcast at gmail.com. Let's get the hell out of here.